What's up, everyone? Welcome into Fantasy Football Fire and Ice brought to you by Sportstopia. This is the NFL edition. We got the Monday night recap and the waiver wire ads you're going to need to put on your roster this week. I'm your host, Simon, joined as always by Stu, a.k.a. Monotone Football. What's up, Stu? I'm just happy we had a competitive Monday night football game. <laughs> I mean, the way this show's been over these last couple weeks, it's been a snooze fest every single week. And while this wasn't the best game in the world... <laughs> A competitive game, right? It was watchable, which is, you know, great thanks to what we saw from the Cowboys, the Giants so far, all this stuff. So I'm happy to be here, obviously. Um, as a fantasy owner, I finally got some of my guys back. It's looking a little bit better. Hopefully everyone in the chat is kind of on the same page. But hey, we all still need to get better. And waiver wire is obviously how you win these leagues. Hopefully we can help you guys out with that today. Well, your teams are coming back into action, Stu. I feel like my teams are going the other direction with Justin Jefferson, Devon Achan. I had a lot of teams take those hits this week. But hopefully, with these waiver wire ads, I can recover. We got our friend Terrell Furman joining us as well. What's up, Terrell? Welcome in. Nothing much. What's going on, fellas? Nothing much. We were just talking about how for the first time in a couple of weeks, we had a competitive Monday night football game. And Stu, I love that you use the word competitive, though, because you're right. It wasn't necessarily pretty, but we can't be too picky. And while the Jordan Love-led Packers offense may not have been fun to watch, boy, did I love watching the Max Crosby-led Raiders defense last night. Um, usually, as a fantasy guy and not an IDP guy, I feel like I'm more excited about the offense in a game. But Something about the way Max Crosby goes out there and plays just like tickles me, man. I get giggly watching him get like just so into the game on the field out there. Well, and you can tell too in the post-game interviews and stuff like that, a lot of these guys, they kind of shrug it off. It was a good game. I mean, you can tell Max Crosby like loves it. He is fully in. I agree. It, to me, when I watch stuff like that, I always get Twitter fingers. I'm always, I want to go, oh, Max Crosby's the best edge rusher in the league. You know, like, <laughs> get those instant reactions, and then everyone's going to hate on you for a couple hours. But I agree. Max Crosby is great out there. And hey, if you're a Christian Watson fantasy owner like myself, you got bailed out. So that always feels good as well. Absolutely. That's probably time to jump right into this Monday night football game. Before we do that, I want to remind everyone as Thursday is quickly approaching, week seven, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself, week six is already underway. You guys can get ahead of your DFS lineups by checking out the Fantasy Sports Logics Contrarian Optimizer. We'll have a QR code up here on the screen throughout the show today. Scan that, sign up for a test drive for just $1. Promise you it's going to be worth it. You're going to get some of those six stacks and that contrarian edge that you're looking for in your weekly lineups. Stu, you kicked us off right where I wanted to start with that Packers game. The Packers offense was rough there. Jordan Love couldn't quite get it going. It seemed like the Raiders defense was getting to him. We did see Christian Watson have seven targets. He didn't necessarily turn it into a lot in that game. We saw them a couple missed connections, a couple deep balls that could have been, but didn't quite turn out. Are you excited about your teams with Christian Watson on them going forward after what we saw in this game? I am. I am. And that's with understanding the fact that he's going to drop a couple, you know, nothing burgers, right? He's a boomer bust player inherently. And you kind of know that when you're drafting him, he has an extremely high upside, great touchdown potential, right? But he's also one of those guys, like you said, with his deeper routes, 
he can kind of he can kind of give you a couple of rougher weeks. But for me, what I saw these last two weeks, obviously week one, he was just going to ease back in, and we got kind of bailed out by the touchdown. But last week, the targets were up, the snaps were up, the routes are up. I'm perfectly happy with Christian Watson. If I have any other Packers offensive player, I'm probably not feeling super good after these last couple of games, especially with Jordan Love. I mean, to me, the way this offense is orchestrated, we're seeing a lot of running the ball, a lot of play action and deep shots. And if you can't play it, you know, can't take advantage of that, then you're not really going to have a consistent place in this offense. So a guy like Dubs, right? Eh, we're not feeling so good anymore, right? A guy like Jalen Reed, eh, we got a lot of competition. The rookie was looking like the best, best ball pick in the world, right? And now it's starting to normalize a little. So for me, it's kind of Christian Watson or bust at this point on this Packers offense, especially with Aaron Jones's injury situation being so, you know, unfortunate. Pretty unfortunate. Terrell, are you in agreement with Stu here when looking at how to break down the Packers wide receiver core? It's Christian Watson or bust. We have seen Romeo Dobbs, uh, mm -hmm. be it in the absence of Christian Watson or a fully mm -hmm. healthy Christian Watson, get 12 targets, 13 targets in these mm -hmm. games. But it seems like to me those days are behind him. Uh, do you think that's more of what we're going to see down the stretch here? I mean, I don't even think it's Christian Watson or bust. I think it's boomer bust. That's just really what it is in every single one of these wide receivers. And let's not make Christian Watson seem like he's this all in custom, never able to bust wide receiver when he was really only relevant because of a 77-yard catch that could have been a score if for one horse-collar tackle. And as somebody who was sitting on a Christian Watson anytime touchdown, uh, I believe I deserve a score there. That That's really, really unfair that I, I get penalized because somebody else penalized themselves to make sure they tried to save a touchdown. But, yeah, no, I, I think that you, every single one of these wide receivers is boomer bust, every single one. I, I don't think anybody else is not boomer bust. So is Watson going to be the person that's more likely to boom? Yes. Is Dobbs right after that? Probably. Is Jaden Reed probably in that consideration? More than likely. Is Wicks gonna have a big week probably so probably so but I'm, i think that this is more about the fact that this offense isn't predicated on getting the ball to a Devonte adams anymore they don't oh he got so excited about Devonte adams i think we lost him right there have a Let's jordy second. nelson that they are just funneling oh, targets through now. yeah we got you okay. back now. you cut out saying right this off adams it's not around they have a whole bunch of guys that are really good at to spread the ball around. I don't even talk about I think it's completely a or bust offense. And you just got to kind of look at your matchup, see who has the better matchup that week. Last week it was Watson. He was the deep play, deep play guy, and the Raiders had given up a 40-yard catch in the previous two games, now three straight. So you just got to look week to week and see whose who skill set better fits the opposing defense. I think a lot of this comes down to if Jordan Love can support multiple wide receivers, though. Through the first two weeks, it looked like he could. Six touchdowns, zero interceptions through those first two games. The last three, though, he's got two touchdowns to six interceptions in the last three, including no touchdowns in this last game. Can we see Jordan Love return back to what we saw in those first two games, or was that just easy matchups to start the season, and we're now starting to see the real Jordan Love show up? It's somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's yeah. as bad as what we've seen over these last couple of weeks. But I mean, as a, if, if you're a fantasy owner, I would not really feel comfortable starting Jordan Love for the foreseeable future right? until he proves to you that he can kind of uplift these multiple different weapons. For me, 
like I said before, it's a lot of play action, a lot of deep shots. These quarterbacks that support all these different wide receivers normally are great in the short and intermediate game, right? That's why they're able to rack up so many PPR points. That's not Jordan Love's game, or at least that's not the game plan that they're rolling out with so far this season. So even from a stylistic standpoint, I don't think this offense is meant to support multiple fantasy targets, which is why, like I said, I'm really only interested in regularly starting Christian Watson at this point. Is there interest in starting A.J. Dillon if Aaron Jones continues to miss time? He uh, got in the end zone yesterday, it seemed like. Um, but I, I feel like every time he's been handed the opportunity, it's been disappointing from a fantasy perspective. And if this offense continues to struggle, I'm not sure how much upside there is, even with him being the starting back. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy, since he's been in the league, bottom five rush yards over expectation, normally playing behind a pretty good offensive line. I think the lack of top-end speed just kills him. He's a bowling ball, but he is only a bowling ball, right? He's not able to consistently break these chunk plays. I'm not a big A.J. Dillon fan, but in volume alone, you kind of have to. If you have him on your team, if you're struggling at the running back position, then he's going to have to fill in week in and week out because the volume was clearly there. I mean, what Patrick Taylor, the third down back, is going to – steal your touchdown it's clearly not happening right so he has all the opportunity in the world for me i'm just not a big fan on the talent standpoint i think aaron jones probably will be back next week so i wouldn't be getting super excited for aj dillon right now now charlie you trust in aaron jones the second he's back in this lineup absolutely i mean why would i not when he comes into the lineup he's a big player and he makes that passing game better he makes the run game better he's just we've been talking for years about free aaron jones give aaron jones the touches give aaron jones the touches well jordan love has started to prove that there's no situation where you can make this a pass first offense and you have to run it through Aaron Jones. You're going to have to give him the touches because you don't have another option because AJ Dillon, who is your second option, doesn't look that good right now, guys. And I mean, did he have a good day yesterday? Could have been a lot better? Probably so. And so I think that this is an opportunity where Aaron Jones can come back into the lineup if you've been patient with them if you haven't sold them already or if you're looking for to be a buyer of aaron jones now is probably the time because when he comes back into this offense he has the talent where they're going to have to manufacture a bunch of touches for him to make this offense better because as of right now jordan love's not getting it done now i'm with aj Dillon. this is just a lesson for everybody watching quads aren't everything you can have the best quads. You can got the quad father and quadzilla down there on your legs, but uh, it's not doing much if that's all you got there for AJ Dillon. I see Valvez in here stopping by saying, hey, what's up? What's up? Welcome in. We've been talking a lot on the Packers side of this ball. I want to hit on something on the Raiders side. The announcer sure as hell couldn't shut up about it last night, uh, but now we're going to do the same thing. Jacoby Myers vastly out-targeted Devontae Adams in that game, and it didn't necessarily look like it was because of the coverage on Devontae Adams. They didn't have Alexander shadowing him the entire game, um, like maybe some people would have thought. But we saw Jacoby Myers with 10 targets to Devontae Adams, four targets. Terrell, are you making anything of this with Devontae Adams' upside going forward, or is this just a game script uh, thing that played out this week? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not worried. I'm not worried, guys. I'm not worried at all. There's, I'm actually kind of perplexed that you're even asking me the question, am I worried about Devontae Adams, the best receiver in the league, because he got four <laughs> targets. Like, oh, man, yeah, I am so worried about the best receiver in the league. No, I'm not worried, man. Devontae Adams is literally unguardable. So he, he got four targets this game. Jacoby Myers had a day. I mean, if you, you asked Devontae Adams, they've been like, hey, man, give it to him. Jacoby Myers, this is the third time in – 
what four games that he's gotten double digit targets. He's he's a part of this offense, whether you want him to be or not, and it's not going to take away from Devontae Adams' production. They just funneled things a lot more running the ball. They funneled a lot of things more to Josh Jacobs. It just didn't open up, and Devontae Adams was ultimately a really big decoy that game. And so, I mean, it worked for them. They got the dub, and I think that this is – they still look his way every single time. Like, if you looked at Jimmy Garoppolo, every single possession, he looked at Devontae Adams and then decided to look and go somewhere else. But he got the looks every single time. That might not be a target, and it may not show up on the stat sheet, but every single possession, Devontae Adams was the number one look for Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's enough for me to know that there's going to be a lot better weeks ahead. Man, they should put that on the stat sheet, though. Maybe give me 0.1 fantasy points for each of those times that Jimmy Garoppolo looks his way. Stu, are you feeling similarly optimistic about Jacoby Myers? I'm going to shift away from asking about pessimism on Devontae Adams and shift this to Jacoby Myers. Seems like Terrell believes he's going to be an integral piece of this offense as the season continues. Do you think he's weakly startable at this point? Yeah, Jacoby Myers is definitely weakly startable. I mean, this is an offense before last game. They haven't adjusted the numbers yet, but I'd imagine it's pretty similar. 75% of total targets on the team went to Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, or Josh Jacobs. This is the most concentrated offense in the league, and that's what we want. We want concentrated targets. We don't want to be guessing as fantasy managers, as betters, as DFS players. And the Raiders have showed us their game plan. They're going to lock in on these three guys. They're going to get insane volume, and they're going to keep on cashing. So for me, I was big on Jacoby Myers last night from a betting perspective because when you look at his numbers and you look at uh, Devontae Adams' advanced numbers, both of them side-by-side with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, they're pretty much the same. 30% target share, 30% first read target share, 30% air yard share. Like these guys are both putting up wide receiver one advanced numbers. And that's because the offense is so concentrated. It's because we don't have to worry about a DeAndre Carter or some of these other guys coming in and stealing all your fantasy points. So for me, both of them are very startable for the rest of the year. And I would continue to bet on Jacoby Myers if they keep dropping his line so freaking low. Big win for the Raiders last night. Jacoby Myers was a huge part of it, bringing him up to two and three, trying to stay competitive this season with Jimmy G under quarterback. We had a question in here from Woolen the Goat that I wanted to hit a trade question on a Tuesday morning, trying to get those trades through before waiver wire runs. Wants to know, do I trade Saquon Barkley for Jerome Ford, Chris Godwin, and Josh Palmer in PPR? Whenever you look at this, Terrell, are you making this move or are you holding on to Saquon? I'm quite, I have questions how good we'll consider. Oh, but it looks like we're starting to lose Terrell here again. Uh, but we'll get that figured out, get him back on up here. Stu, whenever you look at this trade, does it make you want to ship he, off Saquon Barkley for this package? Or are you holding on to your superstar? This is the classic like three mid players for one good player trade right here. The problem is I don't hate it as much as I normally would just because I am trying to move off of Saquon Barkley. I don't really want a piece of this Giants offense. I don't see upside in the long term. So I probably wouldn't accept this trade right here. But I would. I think you can do a little bit better for Saquon, to be honest. I think this is one of those situations where the guy offered the three players on his team that he doesn't care that much about and was hoping he could flip that for one really good player, right? Which is not something you ever really want to be doing. So I would hold on to Saquon, still actively be looking for trade offers, but I don't think this is enough to really push your squad over the top, to be completely honest. I'm exactly there with you, Stu. I don't mind moving Saquon, but 
this three for one deal isn't doing it for me. Um, I'm, Look at his wide receivers. You're not starting Josh Palmer. Exactly. You already got guys. Like you're not even in a. If you're in a terrible spot, that's one thing. You got to make some changes. I get that, but you're in a good spot, man. I keep rolling with your guys. Woolen the goat. Keep it rolling with this team. Looking pretty good so far. But see what you can get for Saquon. I, I think you can get a little bit more right now. We got Joey stopping by saying good afternoon, everyone. What's up, Joey? Welcome in. Thanks for joining us. Everybody watching, if you've got waiver wire questions during the show today, feel free to throw them in the chat. We'll answer them throughout the show. But we're about to get into some week six waiver wire. Stu, last week was the ugliest week of the season on the waiver wire by far. It felt completely bare. This week's a little better. It's not quite like the weeks one through three that we had sitting out there, but uh, I'm feeling all right about this week. And I want to kick us off with wide receivers, unfortunately. The first name I want to bring up is KJ Osborne. After Justin Jefferson was announced that he's going to be placed on IR. So he's missing a minimum of four weeks. And we just saw KJ Osborne come off a nine target game. I know it was a little bit underwhelming if you look at the fantasy score. I believe it was less than 10 PPR points, only four catches. But seeing nine targets in the most pass heavy offense in the NFL for a wide receiver that's now going to see an increased snap share has to be a positive sign, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like KJ Osborne, you look at the name, you're like, really? I'm going to pick this guy up to start on my team next week? But then when you look at the Vikings, right, what do they have? I mean, th this is a team that was predicated on their offensive abilities, right? And they don't have their star player now. So you have a rookie and Jordan Addison in the outside. You have KJ Osborne and you have TJ Hawkinson. And this is a team that's likely going to be trailing, right? We know this defense is bad. Their star player is out. I don't see them in many positive game scripts. So for me... Even when I first looked at it, even before, you know, just doing show prep, I was like, really? KJ Osborne? That's what we're going to do? But at this point, especially if you're in a 12-team league, you know, 14-team league, if KJ Osborne's out there, you need to go pick him up. Dependable, Joey's saying in the chat, and that's probably what we're looking at. It's a volume play. I know we usually talk about volume for running backs, but this Minnesota offense loves to throw the ball. We look at these offenses that are chucking it the most, and I don't know, Minnesota doesn't immediately come to mind, but then they're sitting there right at the top, number one on the list after last week. Um, if a guy's going to get nine targets, if he's going to be on the field for the majority of snaps, he's got to be rostered. Terrell, how are you feeling about K.J. Osborne with this Justin Jefferson injury? Yeah, like K.J. Osborne, he was, he was out snapping and – uh, he wasn't getting more targets, but he was out snapping Jordan Addison for majority of the season. And so I, I think that this is a, still a really good opportunity for KJ Osborne. I think the attention is naturally going to go over to Jordan Addison and the fact that Jordan Addison is, you know, the sexy first overall pick, first round draft pick, really talented receiver while KJ Osborne's you typically just been kind of that third wide receiver in this offense. I think that they're going to doubt him a little bit, but is it enough for me that I'm going to put KJ Osborne into a starting lineup and know for a hundred percent fact that I'm getting production? Not necessarily because you still got all world TJ Hawkinson and he effectively is the number one receiver for me in this offense. It goes TJ, TJ Atkinson. Oh, I'm adding everybody's name together. TJ Atkinson and Jordan Addison at number two and then KJ Osborne at three. So do I still think of him as a very, very good option? Does he jump into that wide receiver two territory? No, not necessarily. He's still a flex play option for me, but a little bit more dependable because they are going to have to spread that ball around without Justin Jefferson in the lineup. It's exactly how I view him, Charles, like a wide receiver three, which is kind of what he did in this past game, but maybe with a little bit more upside. He turns one of those into a touchdown. He catches two more balls. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden we've got 12, 13 points from KJ Osborne and you're, 
you're thrilled with that, right? You pick him up off the waiver wire, get double-digit fantasy points. That's what we're looking for right now. I think Outside the person of- most hurt by this is Kirk Cousins. I mean, I, I think this really hurts Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Look at look at what Tua did over the weekend against the lowly, lowly, pathetic, miserable New York Giants in the fact that Tyreek Hill had an amazing day and Tua had like 16 fantasy points. And so now think of taking that weapon away from Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins kind of, you know, dumps off to Justin Jefferson. He gets an extra 150 yards 100 to 150 <laughs> yards no really it's yeah, like no, 100 to 150 it's yards ridiculous per game. to say that about a player and, though but you're right that's why I'm. Laughing. and now it's gone and so Kirk Cousins major downgrade for me without Justin Jefferson yes slight upgrade to KJ Osborne yes there's probably going to be more work for TJ Oxen but major downgrade for Kirk Cousins in this spot I don't even know if he's startable anymore does this do anything for Alexander Madison in that offense Justin Jefferson going now because they're going to have to rework how this offense runs right now Maybe it's more run heavy, but maybe the upside of scoring a touchdown has gone down as well. Are you guys moving him up down or is it pretty static for Madison here? I'm going to move him a little bit down. And it's just because of, I think that it's now you can add more attention to the run game, especially if you already have a defensive front that struggles in the run game enough. You can bring those, you can bring a safety in. You can do a whole bunch of different schemes and take away the run game because you know you don't have a Justin Jefferson that's going to beat you over the top. And now you're focusing on a rookie wide receiver and a, a wide receiver three in KJ Osborne. So I think that it, opens them up to, hey, we can crowd the line of scrimmage a lot more. We couldn't do that with Justin Jefferson. We had to play too high with Justin Jefferson. We had to make sure that we doubled Justin Jefferson. Now it opens things up to however you see it for that game. Do you want to put more of an emphasis on the run game? Do that. Do you want to put more of an emphasis on tight end? Do that. Do you want to put more of an emphasis on uh, Jordan Addison? Do that. And it's all because you don't have to look at Justin Jefferson. Nobody's doubling KJ Osborne there. Stu, you feel similarly here? Yeah, not that long. That was very well said right there. I mean, Alexander Madison, a guy a couple weeks ago, he was the only running back in the league to face no stacked boxes in any of his carries. And he still posted negative rush yards <laughs> over expectation in that game, right? <laughs> exactly what he just said now. We got to see those safeties in the box. And Alexander Madison just isn't great. And neither is Cam Akers. That's the other problem, too. People are like, oh, Cam Akers is going to steal his job. Well, he hasn't been good either. This is just not a strong running team at all, which is why I probably wouldn't move Kirk Cousins down that much just because what he misses in Justin Jefferson and this offense generally being good, I think they're going to make up for in garbage time. I think he's going to look a little bit more like that Blake Bortles style of quarterback where you went from 14 fantasy points to 21 in the fourth quarter when your team was down 14 points. Blake Bortles always, that is the shining example of a garbage time quarterback. Maybe we see a little bit of that from Kirk, but I am worried about how this offense operates without Justin Jefferson in it. It's not going to be the fun Minnesota offense that we've seen through the first couple weeks here. Definitely not this week with rain and 20 mile per hour winds. Oh, it's that time of the season now. We're starting to get the the windy, rainy, snowy weather games. It's that time of year, baby, where the weather updates before the games start actually mattering. We've been pretty lucky so far through the first five weeks, not having to worry about weather so much. A couple rainy games, but nothing too bad. There's a couple no, it's other supposed to be a monsoon. A monsoon this weekend. Those games make for fun TV, though. Not necessarily fun football, but uh, you love the optics of a rain mm-hmm. game. The crowd shots, the coaches screaming through the rain. It's uh, It's fun. Outside of KJ Osborne, there were a couple other wide receivers here that I wanted to talk about. Curtis Samuel is a name that has popped up on the wide receiver leaderboards the past couple weeks. If you're just looking through the top names, wide receiver 13, wide receiver 14 finish in back-to-back weeks. And it seems like building some rapport with Sam Howell 
maybe even surpassed Jahan Dotson on the pecking order of wide receivers there after Terry McLaurin. Terrell, are you buying that, that maybe Curtis Samuel's the wide receiver two here for Sam Howell, who they've let him chuck the ball 50 times in a game this season. That's not out of the question. Yeah, I I was higher on Curtis Samuel than a lot of other people coming into the season. And I said he is the wide receiver, too, in this offense. It's not Jahad Dotson. John Dotson is somebody that can take top off a of defense and get you a big play here or there. But if he's not doing that, they're really not looking his way. Whereas Curtis Samuel, he's like that gadget guy. He's that Cortland Sutton type of guy where they're going to line him up in the backfield. They're going to line him up in the slot. They're going to line him up out wide. They're going to do a whole bunch of things with them and manufacture touches specifically for him. They will call plays specifically for him because he is that kind of gadget guy and that good play receiver so i think that this is it took a little while to get here but this is a pretty steady inclination of hey curtis samuel is the number two in this offense and he can't have value going forward and their schedule coming up they've got the falcons then the giants then the eagles after that and that Eagles secondary hasn't necessarily been what we thought it was going to be coming into the season wide receivers have been able to eat so I'm in. This is a player you can pick up and start pretty confidently for the next three weeks at least. Stu, are you feeling equally as optimistic or are you uh, backing off of Curtis Samuel? I mean, I like Curtis Samuel. I, I will say we got to remember touchdown regression is going to be a thing, right? Yep. We fell in love with Jahan Dotson last year because he scored a touchdown in every game. And now Curtis Samuel is kind of doing a similar thing <laughs> right here and we're falling in love all over again. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm real worried if you're a Jahan Dotson owner right now, obviously not, not startable at this point. He's getting towards the droppable category. Cause like Terrell said, last year he was taking the top off defenses. Now, instead of him doing that, Sam House college buddy, Diami Brown is doing that. He's taking snaps from Dotson and running those deep routes instead. So for me, what does Sam Howell like to do? He looks over the middle and that benefits two people. It benefits Logan Thomas and it benefits Curtis Samuel. So for me, you don't see a super high floor with, or sorry, high ceiling with Curtis Samuel, but you have a good floor. He's a dependable wide receiver three. If you're looking for wide receiver help, I think you can do a lot worse. No, we're on wide receivers right now, but you just brought him up. He's only 20% rostered, and he does seem to be a big target in this offense. Logan Thomas is one of my, if not my top tight end to add this week, because what we're seeing doesn't seem to be fluky or just a game script. It seems to be where Sam Howell likes to go with the ball. Terrell Stu's up here singing the praises for Logan Thomas maybe as an option you could pick up or mm -hmm. are you thinking Thomas is someone who you could pick up and start going forward? Oh, see, I'm the, you know, the sharp that I am. <laughs> I, I picked him up and started him prior, you know, on Thursday night football as my tight end, because I knew he was an option that we can pick up. I knew he was an option that when he came back from that concussion, he was going to be really good because that's somebody that somehow has been looking to with the football for the foreseeable for early part of the season. He's been a very good tight end and he's really the ugly stepsister of all tight ends. Like uh, if you think of all tight ends in the league, you've heard people come up here and make cases for everybody but thomas like thomas has not ever been talked about as hey man you should probably look at starting him like no but he's really really good and he just doesn't get the looks for it so i think that this is an indication i do agree that over the middle that's exactly where he likes to go he's a very good check down option for him i think he's very very profitable in full ppr a little bit less than half ppr but he's going to get a bunch of targets and a bunch of catches over the course of the season I'm with you guys. I had a brutal moment where I went back and forth between two tight ends on Thursday night. Ended up putting Logan Thomas on my bench, but it worked out because I started Sam Laporta over him. So I wasn't okay. too mad there. It, it ended up working out, but on Thursday night, I was kicking myself. I was like, you fool, why didn't you start Logan Thomas? The next wide receiver I want to bring up is more of a wide receiver category here. It's not a specific player. It's just a type of player that we've seen break out 
in the next couple weeks over the past couple seasons. Last year, we saw Christian Watson break out over the second half of the season. The year before, we saw Amon Ross Brown have a breakout. We saw A.J. Brown do it in 2019. Rookie wide receivers who underperform in the first half of the season, it seems like every year there's at least one of these guys that shows up over the second half. The names I'm looking at are Quinton Johnston, Marvin Mims, Josh Downs, Jaden Reed, and Jonathan Mingo as the kind of candidates to be that guy this year. Um, Stu, are there any of those names that jump out at you as the most likely to have that second half breakout? I think a name that automatically sticks out right there is Marvin Mims. And I don't really like to be on the side of the, the extremely popular players that, you know, fantasy Twitter is begging to play, but just doesn't get out there, right? I don't, I don't like that. I like being on the side of the coaching staff and the guys that are actually playing. But with the pivot the Denver Broncos are taking right now, all inside reports, it looks like a fire sale right now. It looks like if you can offer someone good, then they're going to trade him, right? And I, we already saw Gregory go for absolutely nothing to the 49ers. Thanks for that, by the way. The rest of the week, needed <laughs> another great edge rusher on the 49ers. Thanks. But beyond that, right, this is a team that is going to want to play your young guys, right? When you're throwing away a season, or at least when the direction they're on right now, they have a historically bad defense, right? DVOA ranks them as one of the worst defenses they've ever seen since they started tracking this data, right? So for me, this is a team that's going to want to see their young guys. Jerry Judy is a guy that's come up with trade discussions multiple times so far this year. I think that path to opportunity is going to be there very fast. And I think if he's not available, which I mean, he isn't in any of my leagues, but I would be sending out flyer trade requests. You know, I think that's the guy that you want on your bench. You want to have as a little stash that I think is going to come alive in the next couple of weeks. Marvin Mims sitting at 41% rostered in one quarterback sleeper leagues out there. So he's most likely sitting on your waiver wire. Terrell, is that the name that stands out to you the most out of that bunch? Or is there a different rookie that you think has the best odds to break out over the second half of this season? Uh, well, no, not necessarily Marvin Mims. And it's not really anything towards Mims. It's just more of the Russell Wilson is going to throw to anybody. And if you, you could think of a random name, John Jinkelheimer Smith and Russell Wilson probably going to throw him a touchdown pass over the course of the season. Like he's, he just absolutely spreads the ball around and gets it to everybody. So hopefully it kind of gets a little bit more concentrated to Mims as the season goes on, but it's so many options for him. And at this point, he's just literally, I think that I see an orange Jersey down there and he's just launching it down there and hoping that they come down with it. And so uh, for me, I think the name that I'm, kind of interested in and you're not going to get them on the waiver wire so you're going to have to make a trade but this could be the time to make a trade it's the name that you didn't say and that's jackson smith and jigma i mean and i didn't I, say i'm probably not sitting up yeah he's he's not on the waiver wire but you can probably he's dirt cheap i mean at this point he has 12 catches for 62 yards over the first half first quarter of the season that's terrible but if you look a little bit deeper in there and he's getting about 70 less snaps than DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. However, he only has three less targets. And so I think that this is an opportunity where they say, hey, we do have something in him. It just hasn't materialized yet. We're slowly building him in, getting him more reps, getting him acclimated to how NFL offenses run, how the defenses fly around the field. And if there's a possibility, like we've seen in the past with Tyler Lockett, a lot of the times where Tyler Lockett goes down and you're missing Tyler Lockett for a couple of weeks or anything like that, then you're going to absolutely have that opportunity for Jackson Smith and Jigma to elevate himself in the offense. And then once I think he gets there, I don't think he's going back. So uh, I think that's a person that I would be looking for as a trade candidate of getting him dirt cheap trading i'm pretty sure whoever has him probably expected him to do a lot more and he's just doing absolutely nothing and they're borderline on on the fence about dropping him 
I think that is a person that you can target and probably get them for what a very, very low option skill position player. I'm with you. I love that one. And it feels similar to mine in the probably rostered, but people are probably considering dropping him. And that's Quinton Johnston. There's opportunity there with Mike Williams going down and a Kellen Moore led offense. I know it's been bad so far, but let's not forget the talent and the profile of this guy whenever he was coming in. Sometimes it takes time to get acclimated into an NFL offense. Uh, he's got Josh Palmer as the second target ahead of him. I'm not as scared of that as I was of Mike Williams as the guy that he has to beat out for those targets, right? And we've mm -hmm. seen how this Chargers offense likes to use big-bodied receivers in the end zone, and that's what we got in Quinton Johnston. So if he's on my waiver wire, he's out there in a little less than half of leagues. I'm putting him on the back of my bench, but I love the Marvin Mims and the – JSN snag as well. If JSN's on your waiver wire, add him right now. Go talk him on the end of your bench. Yeah, especially because people are drafting him in like the sixth round. Yeah, that's the only problem, right? If you're in a more casual league where people go, I drafted this guy so high, he sucks. Like I, I need to drop him now. Then that's a possibility. But if you're playing in some of these higher stakes leagues, I think the problem is people, because of the draft capital they invested in him, they're not really going to give him away to you for free, even with the lack of performance. But I agree. If you can get JSN, I was going to, I was going to call you on that one for leaving it out as well. But the thing that scared me away is one, two other wide receivers that are awesome are both there. And the other thing, the ADOT, the guy has like a three ADOT right now. He's only being targeted at or around the line of scrimmage. That's concerning. For me, JSN had one of the most complete route trees out of any wide receiver coming into the NFL in this draft. Um, and to use him in such a one-note way, right, it's just kind of a simple slot receiver over the middle. That usage is a little concerning. And I'm worried that doesn't change until one of the other outside wide receivers gets injured, which is a little bit of a tougher ask. And I just looked it up just so I had the number in front of me. He's rostered in 67% of PPR one quarterback sleeper league. So that's not every league. That's about a third of league sitting out there where JSN's just on your waiver wire. So go take a peek. Great call out guys on that one. Before we get into our running backs, we had a couple questions in here. Jay Paris wanted to know, should I trade Madison and DeAndre Hopkins for Raheem Mostert? Especially no. with the news that Devon Achan is going to miss some time. You guys are both not doing this? No, it, it, I, I didn't even think about it. Didn't even think about it. No, I'm not doing it. I, I mean, now we're getting this is this is where I was telling you maybe two weeks ago, because last week, Lord, I was on my deathbed with an illness. But two weeks ago, hey, the D hop week is coming. And once he once he gets his groove with Tannehill, and if you watch that game, it looked like they were really in sync in a lot of those passes. Once he gets his groove with Tannehill, he's not going back down, and he's going to be a solid fantasy option. Is it going to be the D-hop that you all know and remember? Probably not, but he's going to be really, really good wide receiver, as we know he is. And with Alexander Madison, I feel like you're getting effectively maybe the same, maybe less touchdown opportunities because the offense isn't as good as the Dolphins, but I think you're getting about the same production because – yeah, uh, Achan went, a chain, a chain, whatever. He went down, but now you're getting Jeff Wilson back. And Jeff Wilson is practicing this week. And Jeff Wilson's coming off IR. And Jeff Wilson was projected to be the starter. He took the starting job last year for Mostert. He took it from him last year. So I, I, I can't, I can't get into Raheem Mostert. I just think that that's too much capital for somebody that could be good or we could not be talking about him in about five weeks. Stu, are you uh, feeling equally as uh, maybe pessimistic about Mostert as Terrell is here? He's currently the number two running back on the season behind only Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I, I'm still on the same page right here. This isn't a bad trade. I, I'm obviously really low on Madison, but the name value alone can still get you, in my opinion, some pretty good targets. For me, Mostert, just uh, 
the worry of him slowly, slowly losing carries and you're betting more and more on efficiency and less and less in volume. And this is a team that wants to throw the ball anyway. This is not a team that is interested in running the ball heavily. Obviously, the game script kind of led that to be the case. In this last game, Giants, one of the worst rush defenses around. You can run the ball a little bit more, but 90% of the time, the game plan right here is to come out and come out aggressive, right? Let Tyreek Hill get the ball behind the line of scrimmage instead of Mostert. So a chain obviously coming in, stepping up, looking Un, like ungodly. I don't even know what to do with this guy right now, but most are not a bad trade target, but I think you're giving up a little too much right here. And just to give everybody a little bit of a reality check on the Dolphins running backs in general, I, I agree with you guys. The Dolphins want to throw the ball. They currently lead the league in rushing yards by over a hundred yards. They had that outlier game. They've had weird game scripts. They do not want to necessarily be the league rushing yard leader at the end of this season. It's going to come back down to earth a little bit. It's going to normalize the rushing yards here. You can't have the RB2 and the RB3 and the wide receiver one in the same offense, most likely. I just don't see how that happens unless the Dolphins score 70 points four more times this season. That being said, I'd be tempted. I, I look at this and I'm tempted, but then I'm holding back. I look at Raheem Mostert. I look at what he's done, but um, Terrell, I love what you brought up with Jeff Wilson coming back. We don't know what that's going to look like when he is reinserted back into this offense. One more here from our friend Chandler. Chandler wanted to know in a dynasty trade, 12 team PPR league, super flex. Should I trade away Christian McCaffrey for the projected 102, 110, Drake London, and a mid second? So two firsts, Drake London, and a second. You guys making this move? You holding CMC? Well, I'm not the biggest dynasty guy in the world, but the context is super important. Are you in win now mode or are you rebuilding? Is CMC your only good player or do you have a loaded team? Because if you have a loaded team and you're trying to win a championship right now, then I would not trade away CMC, who's on you know pace to look like one of the best fantasy assets ever, right? But if you're obviously in rebuild mode and you're looking to get a bunch of young guys, then I think it becomes a lot more live. So I really think the context of your team is super important right here. But I would say you, you, you get all those picks so you get a guy like CMC on your team. Doesn't look like he's going anywhere for me. I'd be pretty happy, you know, sitting where you are. But if you're if you're one and four right now or something and you need to completely flip it, then that's when you start considering this. Especially in a super flex league, I'm a lot more comfortable with this. The value in that draft is going to be huge. Next year's supposed to be great. And then the value of those picks, even if you don't end up picking them. As we approach next year's draft with freaking Caleb Williams and all these other high uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Like dude, these picks are going to be gold. If you are not competing this year, I'm I'm making this move. I'm doing that. I'm countering and I'm getting something better than Drake London. Something that can that I know that I'm going to use for next season. Like Drake London literally just seems like a throwaway player in this trade. And I don't want that because once you get CMC, that projected 102 may be projected 105 or 106. And now that's no longer Caleb. So excited about the draft picks. We lost him again. Man, every time he gets going good, we lose Terrell. Um, but I hear what he's saying. Maybe but, upgrade that wide receiver piece. Yeah, let me just say, though, Drake London, if people in Dynasty are viewing him as a bust, as a throwaway, then you should go trade for Drake him. London. Right? Williams think and about even Marvin if Harrison Ritter, Jr., instead of throwing off 300 yards last week, was benched, right? And we instead saw Heineke. He would suddenly be fantasy relevant again. Drake London would suddenly be a must start every single week with the quarterback that we know is willing to throw the ball. So if you're in a dynasty team and you're thinking long term, I mean, even if your team sucks, I don't hate throwing out flyers for a guy like Drake London because you'd have to think this quarterback situation is going to change at some point, even if that's in the offseason. 
Braves fan in here with another question for us. First of all, congrats on the exciting win last night. What a great comeback by the Braves. He wants to know, should I trade Devonta Smith for Puka Nakua? I'm not doing this. I'm holding Devonta Smith. I'll take Jalen Hurts number two over Matthew Stafford's number two. But what are you guys doing? Puka looked like he could stay relevant with Cooper Cup in the offense. Yeah, I'm not doing it, but it's kind of funny. Like, this is actually a really, like, interesting trade, right? Because it really shows that you have to weigh in your preseason expectations and then what we've seen through the first couple weeks. But I'm not doing this. I wouldn't do it. I think Devonta Smith has the higher week-to-week upside. we got to remember how good this Eagles offense is. And they still haven't even looked like they clicked yet. That's the worst part for the, us non-Eagles fans out there. They're beating everyone. They're doing it well, but they still don't look like that same team that they were last year. So, I don't know, man. I know the, the re- results haven't been amazing for Smith, but also you got to remember this defense being worse than it was last year is also good for your offensive pieces. We want more fantasy points. We want more possession. So the fact that the secondary is struggling and now that we have Cooper Cup back, who looked awesome in game one, I'm holding on to Devonta Smith. Are you holding on to Devonta Smith as well, Terrell? Or are you uh, you going for Puka after we saw him week one with uh, with Cooper Cup in there? I don't know. how. I mean, we're in week six, guys. Is this the offense going to be any more than what we think it is for the Eagles? Like, yes, they're good, but they're not great. Whereas I know that it's not a great offense with the Rams right now, but Matthew Stafford is going to throw the ball a bunch of times. And Puka Nakua and has shown that he can keep up with Cooper Cup. Early, If you watched earlier that game, when that game started, it was like a quick six, seven catches for Cooper Cup and one catch for Puka Nakua. And everybody said, oh, they were dropping the Woody meme saying, I'm done playing with you anymore. Like, I don't care about you anymore. And then next thing you know, Cooper Cup, I mean, uh, Puka Nakua has double digit targets and a touchdown. So I think that this is more of a conversation than people want to admit it to be because Puka Nakua is, has shown at least through one game. And maybe I'm not doing it off one game, and that's why I say stick with Devonta Smith. But for at least one game, he has shown that he can keep pace with Cooper Cup. And if you're telling me I'm getting two Cooper Cups in a Rams offense, that's going to be pretty good for fantasy. That sounds pretty good for Matthew Stafford is what that sounds like. Pretty good for Matthew Stafford for fantasy. Absolutely. We got our friend Walker in here wanting to know DeMarcado thoughts, and that's a perfect transition into talking about some of these running backs on the waiver wire. So we got the update that James Conner is expected to vaguely miss some time uh, without much more information on top of that. That sounds like a couple oh, of weeks wow. to me. Oh, wow. So real surprising. James Conner's missing time. So we're <laughs> shocked. Know. Totally shocked here. Where's Chase Edmonds when you need him? He's uh, buried on the Dolphins depth chart, I believe, unless he's still uh, – unless he's – found his way onto another team somewhere. DiMarcado has been earning more snaps as the season went on. Undrafted free agent rookie signed by the Cardinals and seemed to be the lead guy whenever Connor went down in this offense. Now with the news that Connor's going to miss a couple weeks, I know the Cardinals added, I believe, Tony Jones Jr. to that team, signed him off of the Saints practice squad. Are you guys buying into DiMarcado as a startable asset while Connor is out? Um, I don't know about startable. I, I think he's rosterable. You got to pick him up, right? But just because there's opportunity there doesn't mean that's going to translate into fantasy points. And to me, well, this Cardinals team is better than expected, right? This isn't the, the dumpster fire that we might have thought it once would be. Shout out, Dobbs. Yeah, exactly. I still don't see the high end like offensive upside right here. To me, this, this feels exactly kind of like that Ravens situation a little earlier in the year where people are like, 
yeah, I'll start Gus Edwards and he'll get me eight points. And that's fine. And if you need it, you need it, right? And obviously not everyone's... I was about know, to say, hey, I'm still starting Gus Edwards in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, that I, I feel your pain right there. Or if you got an Antonio Gibson, then he's kind of in that tier. So I, I'd, I'd be picking him up, but I don't know if I'd necessarily be excited to start him. I just don't see that much touchdown upside. The receiving game work has been there so far, but he also started to seed a little bit out of that in the second game last week as well. I believe he wasn't out there on the two minute drill, which is normally a really big deal. So yeah. it's kind of 50 50 for me. I would definitely be trying to pick him up, but this isn't like a high priority um, fab bid for me or anything like that. Just seeing if you can add him to the back of your bench. Terrell, do you have any more optimism for Di Mercado? Maybe a, a Philip Lindsay type undrafted free agent rookie season incoming, or is this going to be just like Stu said, more like the Gus Edwards Ravens situation? Yeah, no, I actually have zero faith in DiMercato and the entire offense at this point. Now I think we get to see the Cardinals team that everybody expected them to be because James Conner was eighth in the NFL in rushing before he got hurt. And that's him getting hurt mid-game and not being able to finish and add to that total. He was one of the leading rushers in the NFL, and now you take that away. So guess what? Now defenses are playing back. They're not stacking the box against James Conner. They are going to be targeting Dobbs in the passing game, trying to throw him different looks and make him make mistakes in the passing game. And I don't think they have the talent at running back where they can exploit that opportunity. So uh, without James Conner, I think this whole offense is in a dumpster fire. I'm not even going to lie to you. The world will cheer if the Cardinals that were supposed to show up finally show up. And I don't even think it's a hatred towards the Cardinals. I think it's just a, what are you guys doing? Why are you trying to win? When we all thought it was a, a tank for Caleb season for the Cardinals over there. Yeah, Running back. Oh, sorry, go I ahead, Stu. Say one more thing. I'm a little biased because I watch. I started watching a lot more college football recently. I watched a lot of TCU, big fan of Kendra Miller, everything he did. Dean Mercado was never a guy that you watched in college and were like, yep, that's an NFL running back, right? And I mean, obviously it's kind of shown through the undrafted, but he was like, I know a lot of people, Roshan Johnson being the RB2 in that offense, maybe gave them some hope. This was a guy that was never a starter in college, right? He was never the guy there. So now I'm going to bet on him to be the guy in the NFL, right? I don't know about that. Corey Clement's still there, veteran. He's going to steal some pass catching stuff. And then Keontae Ingram is a guy that four people on Dynasty Twitter are telling me is good. So there's some competition. Uh, I'm just not super excited overall. <laughs> I, I mean, Philip Lindsay had a year and a half, two year run as an undrafted running back. So maybe, but how many times does that happen? Not often. I, I wouldn't take a chance. I'm with you guys. I think he's worth a roster, but I'm not blowing my fab on DeMarcado. See what it looks like this next week, but there's a real chance we just see this Arizona Cardinals offense fall apart a little bit. Now, Stu, you mentioned the running back that is at the top of my priority list this week when you were talking right there, and that's Roshan Johnson. He's still sitting on the waiver wire in most leagues right now. Um, Roshan Johnson, 52% rostered. So in about half of leagues, you can find him sitting on the waiver wire. Khalil Herbert went down injured in that game, and Roshan Johnson seems to be the next guy up. I know it's been disappointing from a fantasy perspective since week one, but it has looked like the snap share has started tilting his way even prior to this injury. They added Darrington Evans. They're going to activate Deonta Foreman off of their practice squad. I still think Roshan's going to get the first crack at being the lead back in this offense. So I'm adding him everywhere I can. He's my priority add at the running back position this week if you need it. How are you guys feeling about Mr. Johnson here in this Bears offense? 
Well, I don't think there was, you know, many people that were higher than me on Roshan Johnson coming into the draft and when he landed in Chicago. As soon as he got drafted to Chicago, I said, there goes the Chicago Bears starting quarterback by week seven, eight or something like that. And we're on pace for that. Unfortunately, he did get a concussion in that last game. And, you know, if you started him thinking that the breakout week was last week, like I did, then you were very, very hurt by that. But I think when he comes back from the concussion, he's going to have all the opportunity in the world. And it's not like that this is a there's always a chance of re-injury with concussions, but it's not something that's going to inhibit his production. When he comes back, he's going to be the same Roshan Johnson. So I think that this is a pretty good, pretty good start that, hey, we should we should see him fear better, fare a lot better going forward. But definitely wait to see, you know, concussion injuries and make sure he gets out of that protocol. Ryan down here related to this wants to know, should I drop Harris? I'm assuming Damian Harris and not Najee Harris for Jaleel McLaughlin or Roshan Johnson. I guess you could be talking Najee Harris at this point as well. Stu, are you dropping Damian Harris for either of those two backs? Well, yeah, I'm definitely dropping Damian Harris for either of those two backs, but it is funny to legitimately consider that he could mean Najee Harris. Like we don't, we don't actually know at this point, given how negative Twitter has been on Najee Harris. I would not drop Najee Harris for either of these guys, but yeah, Damian Harris is not playing whatever preseason role we expected. He's not a touchdown vulture. That's Latavius Murray. Damian Harris, if you have him on any of your rosters, yeah, he's droppable completely. So yeah. Najee, that's I, I can't do that. I'm not I I mean I see why you would, but you've got to have someone worse on your team that you can drop, right? You don't have a backup tight end sitting around anywhere, no Hunter Henry you can let go. I don't know. I will say my fiance is in a league where all of the positions are locked. Like you have to have four running backs. You have to have four wide receivers. So if you're picking up a running back, you have to drop a running back. Which I is think uh my least favorite rule in any league I've ever seen in my entire life. But if that's the case, Ryan, let us know some of your other backs because I, I get it. I get the Najee Harris pain right now. I've got Najee on a couple teams, but you got to just keep him on there. He's got more upside than either of these guys. Um, these guys have opportunity right now because of injury. Though I, I do prioritize Roshan over him. All right, well, one more running back I wanted to bring up here is another rookie. Tajay Spears on the Tennessee Titans has continued earning more work there and finally got his first touchdown. And my thought process is if there's a rookie running back who is earning legitimate running back snaps on a team that has Derek freaking Henry, then I want to roster him. I don't even care if he's not necessarily getting the touches yet. He's on the field when they have Derek Henry on their team. Like that's a dude I want on my fantasy roster. This has got to be the most insane. Like if, if we had any time travelers that could go back before the season started out of all the lies they could tell about what this season looked like. I think the one that nobody would believe is that Taji Spears is consistently out snapping Derek Henry. How did this happen? I, I don't know how we got to this point. I like Spears. This is a guy that was great in college, had some injury stuff that pushed him down the draft board. But the thing is, how do you ever feel comfortable starting a guy like that when you know the offense will never really design a touchdown look for him? Every touchdown look is for Derrick Henry, and they've consistently capitalized on the play action as well with Ryan Tannehill taking it in himself. I just don't see upside. This Tennessee offense isn't good. They want to make games as grimy as possible. They want to slow the games down. They want to make it a mud fight, and that's not good for fantasy points. So I like Spears. Super happy to see what he's doing out there. Obviously, it's insane, right? The, the snap share with Derrick Henry on that team is insane. But as a fantasy owner, then I don't know how I can trust this guy when I don't see a reliable path to fantasy points. I think he's a better real-life player than he is fantasy player at this point. 
Absolutely. Before we give out some of our favorite player props for this week to end the show, I did want to talk quarterbacks just a little bit, especially with bye weeks coming up. Jordan Love on bye, Kenny Pickett on bye. So maybe nobody's hunting too much this week for that quarterback, um, except for the people that bought into Jordan Love weeks one and two out there. But we mentioned Sam Howell earlier, and we mentioned Matthew Stafford earlier. And those are the two guys that are likely on your waiver wire that are sitting at the top of the list for me. Are there any other names that come to mind if someone's looking to stream that quarterback position right now? Gardner Oh, There we go. First of all, Gardner some respect on his name. 3-0 and this season in games that he's played. Uh, yes, in a revenge game against the else I need to say Jags are fifth worst against passing yards this season all over Gardner Minshew this week he's gonna have a great week beautiful Stu you got any other names you want to throw out there you want to roll into our our player props for this week no yeah I like that look and I'd even say beyond that I'd rather start Gardner Minshew than Sam Howell right a name that is going to be on a lot more rosters I think this is coming from a commander's fan unfortunately yeah (laughs) i I didn't even think about gardner Minshew much before you mentioned it but i think that's a really good point because we know the way they rolled out these game plans they had a whole week to prep for him as the starter right and he threw the ball like 50 times in that game so i like it a lot of low a dot completions get your stars the ball let him make plays i think i might be starting some gardner Minshew this week and i don't even know it Fire up your Colts wide receivers for the time being as well, too. I mean, Minch is going to pepper. We can it out use there. this. We can use this to transition into the player props because let's do it. Gardner Minshew over two sixteen and a half passing yards. I'm trying to tell you, Gardner started his career with Jacksonville, and Jacksonville said, "You know, Woody, I'm growing too old for you, Woody. I don't want to play with you anymore." Because look at Buzz Lightyear and Trevor Lawrence right there, man. Heck yeah, I need some of that. Oh, and you think Gardner forgot about that? You think Gardner doesn't know how much money he made that team? And just people in Jacksonville. Minshew Mania was a thing. The mustache was a thing. He knows what he did for Jacksonville, what he did for that team, the community, all of that. And and being a mid-level quarterback, he did all of that. Oh, Gardner Minshew revenge game is on a thousand. Again, Jags fifth worst in passing yards to opponent quarterback. I, I think this is a great opportunity. They've given up this line in three of five that they played this season. Give me over 216 and a half passing yards for Gardner Minshew. You do not have to say too much to get me to buy into a revenge game narrative, especially when the person enacting that revenge is Gardner Minshew with that mustache, with his bus, with that attitude. I'm a, I'm in trail. And then, from a statistical standpoint, you make a good uh, you make a good argument as well. But from a narrative standpoint, I'm all in. When Stu, stats want... and narrative match up, it's a perfect play. That's what you got, Stu. You want to throw yours out for us? Yeah, I'm liking Tony Pollard in this game. Over 70 and a half rush yards is the current line we have on Prize Picks right now. Shout out to them for these early lines on Tuesday, by the way. And you don't have to do it, but we appreciate it over here. But I like Tony Pollard. That game, you know, looks like it's going to be a little bit of a shootout. If there's one thing we know. This defense is not good against the run. The Chargers have been our number one target. Fantasy, DFS, betting, all of that. We love playing running backs against them. They can't stop the run. And I think Pollard is a very simple play right here because McCarthy is such a bad play caller. It is so ungodly obvious what this team wants to do, right? They want to run the ball 20 times a game, check the ball down a couple of times to CeeDee Lamb and take a deep shot or two, right? This is not a well-coached team. I think they had a huge downgrade on offense. But I also think a lot of the whole world is going to be uh, kind of selling them after last 
last week. We just saw them embarrassed in prime time. Nobody wants to play the Cowboys anymore. I think that's depreciating the value on his line. I would probably open it 78, 79 or so. But a seat in the low 70s is definitely something I want to take advantage of this week. I'm liking that line. And after Tony Pollard's performance last week, maybe the line is a little bit uh, deflated. You can get a little bit of a discount on Tony Pollard this week. Terrell, you liking that one? Well, you know, I, I'm anti pretty much every cowboy, but uh, the, the analysis was spot on. I, I insulted them four times in the analysis. <laughs> <laughs> the analysis, yeah, I really agreed with that part of the analysis. Like, that was a perfect part of the analysis when you were insulting them. Nailed it. All right, well, I got one more for you guys here. And we talked a little bit about Russell Wilson and this Broncos offense earlier, going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Big dogs in this one. They're going to have to throw the ball. It's on Cortland Sutton over three and a half reception. Seems like a gimme to me. He's hit that mark in the past couple games. What? Um, four receptions, five receptions, eight receptions in weeks three, four, five leading into this one. I expect it to continue in a game where uh, the Broncos aren't going to be able to keep up with this Chiefs team offensively. Yeah, he also will probably not draw the, the toughest assignment, right? We're going to see Sneed likely on Jerry Judy. I think their profiles match up a lot more. We've seen him shadow a little bit more. I think Cortland Sun should find himself with some better matchups on the outside. Like you said, I mean, once again, terrible defense on the Broncos. They're going to be throwing all game long, right? Four balls in a game where you're likely trailing by double digits all game seems like a pretty good deal to me. All right. Well, everybody, that is it for today's show. Our player props here at the end. We got Terrell giving you Gardner Minshew over 216 and a half passing yards. Stu giving you Tony Pollard over 70.5 rushing yards. And I'm throwing Cortland Sutton over three and a half receptions your way. That one also over there on prize picks. If you guys are still looking for some more waiver wire help, make sure you head to Sportstopia HQ and check out the waiver wire article that just hit the website this morning. Subscribe to them on YouTube, Instagram, and X, formerly known as Twitter. And we'll be back next week. I'll be back tomorrow with my friend Terrell and Steezy breaking down some of these week five lines. Sorry, I keep saying the wrong week. Week six lines coming your way. Until tomorrow, though, we are out of here. Enjoy your Tuesday. Get your waiver bids in, and we'll see you all on another time.